I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And I'm JG Timmons. And we are back with another Q&A for you yeah. today. Yeah. We got some good questions, y'all. Yeah? Yes. Very we have exciting. some ridiculously good questions. Thank y'all for uh, sending in all your questions. Um, you know, you can send it in via... Um, TikTok. Well, TikTok, or yes. ghost mail. If you don't have TikTok, you just shoot it over to our ghost mail. Um, I got a couple via uh, via ghost mail, so. Yep, so um, if you don't have TikTok, uh, ghost mail at Haunted City Podcast. That's the best place to send your questions. Otherwise, utilize the Q&A button on TikTok because that's where I go oh yeah. and find our questions. So Absolutely. Uh, you know, something we haven't talked on about on the podcast uh for a while is uh our show oh, yeah. i don't th- i don't think a lot of our newer listeners we gain listeners at a at a very um frightening speed actually so i don't think they know about our show so madison go ahead and tell them about what we do like sure. the bread and butter sure yeah we um have a immersive horror show if you will it happens where we're filming right now at the savannah underground and it's a completely 360 degree set. So you're compl- on stage with the actors yeah. bringing life, uh, bringing to life, you know, three different uh, Savannah ghost stories, essentially. So you go through a demonic possession, yellow fever, a boo hag, all, all the things. So yeah. it happens every weekend of the year. Yep, every weekend. Uh, except for like Christmas and stuff, obviously. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's a year-round thing, and we love doing it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so I just really wanted fun. to let y'all know. And follow us on social media. It's The Savannah Underground um, on Instagram and The Savannah Underground on uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. And for sure, for sure. Um, lots of fun stories <laughs> come out of that show uh, because we've been doing it for almost two and a half years now, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, um, wow. Chris actually doesn't know one of the best guests gone rogue stories that happened. So <laughs> you would hope there are good guests gone rogue stories and not terrible. Well, you know, so stories. most of our guests are absolutely delightful. And we've gotten yes. to meet quite a few people who listen to the podcast um, from them coming to the show. But <laughs> every once in a while, being Savannah, you get some people who come in very intoxicated. You know, it's it's just going to happen, which yeah. is fine. Um, but when we were at our old um, studio, or space, if you will, mm-hmm. we had a different scene in the show. It was called The Plat Eye, which is another uh, Gullah Geechee story. So uh, The Plat Eye, at the end, you're supposed to defeat The Plat Eye with, like, blue, hate blue lights and things like that. And one of the people got so into the story that they went up to the plot eye, took his giant, basically a weapon, uh, because we had to be very cautious with it, because it was uh, supposed to be a plow that was handmade. Right. And it is so sharp. And he took the plow from the plot eye and chucked it across the theater. <laughs> and then 
proceeded to put the plot eye into citizen's arrest. No. And it yep. was our plot eye's first night. Do we have to train audience? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you need like a, uh, you should start every show with a, okay, you are the audience. Yeah. Right. You get to participate, but you're still the audience. Yeah. Please it, do not change the course of the show. It was Seriously. literally, it was Corey who was playing the plot eye that evening. It was his first night playing the plot oh. eye. And oh, and his last. It, <laughs> he quit and he is now a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> right. He um He actually moved far away. He, he did. He moved to Atlanta. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. Um uh, but Patrick yeah, had to like Yeah, and Patrick literally had to tell the guests you cannot put the plot eye under citizens arrest. That's not how we defeat the plot eye. <laughs> <laughs> and so Oh goodness. We have gracious. delightful oh, yeah. stories like that. And also the ghosts gone rogue in the theater also um like to mess with the actors pretty mm-hmm. often. Uh, you know, we have a couple spirits that are particularly active in here. And one of them, uh, we call it the toe tickler, um, because in the Annabelle scene, the girls who are playing Annabelle have all reported the same thing where they feel a hand with a finger going down their feet. Nope. And one of our act- nope, nope. our actors, she requested a blanket to put over her feet because she's like, I don't like it. <laughs> she's no. like, who would? You know, so there's that, the rocking chair. That I don't I, like humans touching my feet. I well, don't want a ghost touching my feet. Well, that's what we thought. We were like, did a, did a customer like touch oh, yeah, your sure. feet? And because that has happened before, People, like I said, Gus gone rogue. But audience, do th- not touch the actors. Don't touch the actors' feet. No. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, and they're like, no, no one was there. It was just the weirdest thing. Yeah, so there's that, the rocking chair yeah. I'm sitting in right now, um, it just right. goes wild. She's in a rocking Ooh. chair, I didn't realize. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes, I like the the movement, it's fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, during the show, uh, last Saturday, it just went wild at the top of the show. It was just going beep, 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 beep. And really? So, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Set up the cameras, to... man. Set up the cameras. They are. They they are. are. Oh, they're recorded. Record. I need to go get them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, put so, it on Patreon. I'll, we, we need let me to get put, all the stuff and put it on Patreon. Yeah. We need to put a live stream of the cameras in the space so yeah. people can ghost hunt whenever they like. It's true. If they, It's true. You've are, been saying it for a while. I've been it's saying true. it for a while. I know. I, I know. think we should approach other haunted locations with the idea of yeah. creating a, a subscription service so that we can just set up some cameras. I love the idea. Yeah. You know, and and then just you know you the uh, the listeners at home can you know tune in at three yeah. o'clock in the morning and watch <laughs> a, a, an empty hallway for a couple hours. Yeah. All righty, y'all. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Q and A. We're doing a Q and A today. Woo 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 Q and A Tuesday. Woo. All right, and uh, let's get started with the first question. Uh, this is Bry Guy. The Bry Guy was she. Uh, the Bry Guy was here, but it's like wuss was here. Um, my sis loves your show and has recently got me hooked. I've listened to many episodes and you've talked about so much, but I haven't heard much about the square formerly known as Calhoun Square. Oh, sure. My sis said uh, she took a tour when visiting from Michigan last summer, and it's one of the most haunted squares. What ghost stories come from there? Yeah, excellent. Well, we actually have a whole episode devoted to 432. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you go digging for that, and 432 has a very complicated uh, story right. behind it. Um, the square itself was the old Negro 
burial grounds. That's mm-hmm. what it was called, the old Negro burial grounds. And they actually moved the, um, the bodies, purportedly. <laughs> they, they moved the bodies. Right. However, I, I want to say as recent as 1994, they found remains uh, in that square due to uh, extensive flooding of the time. But uh, so there are countless stories that you can go to, but there's also the Espy House. Mm-hmm. For anybody who is familiar at all with the Espy House story, the Espy House, uh, named after the judge, Carl Espy, his son was brutally murdered by gangsters, by the Harz brothers. They were uh, bootleggers at the time. And they left his body on the doorstep. And according to legend, um, when this occurred, uh, Carl Espy didn't call the, pol- the police or the hospital, didn't take his son. He brought his son into the house, and his son died from the injuries no way. inside the house because, again, this is according to legend, Carl Espy was afraid of being investigated himself because apparently he was a rival bootlegger. According, again, we, we, we go through all these legends and these stories, but Carl Espy was a very harsh judge of the period, and his son, Wesley Espy, was targeted and um, and I think the story itself is told in Midnight in the Garden, Good and Evil. Hmm. It was like uh, reported to John Barrett, and John Barrett put it into the book. Oh, so cool. if you read the book, uh, you'll know the story. It's more gruesome than I'm letting on because the podcast is family friendly, and this is not a family friendly death. No, it is not. So it is not. Mm-mm. No. No. That's okay. Gore's allowed. Let's do it. Nobody involves a castration, so yeah. we, oh, we, we, we will yeah. stop. We will stop at that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, it's just mostly what I've heard of with the square, you know, very residual type energy. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you have a burial ground, you know, you're going to get... And one that gets... Oh, so maligned because the treatment of the people who were buried there in their right. life was so harsh. Mm. Um, I remember one account saying that, you know, when slaves died, they were not given like time off to mourn. They were not given, you know, it was like literally you have X amount of time, get the body out there, bury it and get back. You know, okay. n- no, no pomp and circumstance, no, you know, uh, n- no even treatment. So it's not like they were given the opportunity to to truly honor their dead the way that they would choose to. And it's also important to note that that square was not a part of the original confines of Savannah. So that would have been way off in the outskirts, technically. Right. So- if, you, uh, if you're familiar with Savannah, uh, two blocks um, north of that is the, um, is the south end of the... Colonial Park Cemetery, and the Colonial Park Cemetery was considered to be the border, the the, the last border because there was a cemetery there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and then it was just kind of wilderness past mm-hmm. that. Um. You know. Uh, so that's why the cemetery itself got um, dismantled was because people were like, "Oh, it's real estate." Okay. You know, and and that's the truth of a lot of Savannah. Uh, even Colonial Park Cemetery was actually much larger and technically still is. Mm-hmm. You know, they believe that there are bodies that go up under. Abercorn Street come out as far as Liberty Street uh, because when they realized, uh, and this was, you know, I guess when the when cotton became king, people were becoming rich and wanting to live in the city. You know, they'd have their plantations out in the, uh, you know, outskirts, but they'd have these almost palatial houses in the city, and they started to expand past that yeah. wall. Right. Because it was also a walled-in city. People don't re- mm-hmm. realize that. Savannah used to be walled in as like almost a fortress. So why, um, t- 
we have a lot of um, listeners that are not from Savannah, actually, like the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they might not know why uh, he said formerly known as Calhoun Square. Oh, sure. It's actually the unnamed square right now. Right. We're um, going through the process of, of choosing a new name. Yeah. Tell them, tell them why. Well, basically, uh, Calhoun was named after it was a South Carolinian. Yeah. Um, exactly. That, that is his first offense. Yeah. Uh, is, is that he's not, he's, he's not, not even well, he's not here. even a Savannian. Yeah. He's not, you know, he doesn't um, even go he here. He doesn't even go here. Uh, but famously, he was um, very, very pro slavery. Mm-hmm. He was very, very key in splitting this country apart. He was very, very key in creating uh, such a terrible animosity uh, towards um, towards the black um, community, towards, you know, it, 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 having his name on something. And this is the truth of, you know, so many things all around is we've, we've come to a point where honoring history comes face-to-face with recognizing history, with being able to state, you know what, this mm-hmm. is probably not the proper name for the square. Yeah. Um, and it was actually uh, the neighborhood itself. Mm-hmm. The people who lived there were a part of the spearhead effort to change the name. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not one of those things because it's not some historic thing. It, 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 it is uh, a missed opportunity because there are many, many wonderful Savannians, many, many people who, who, who did hard and, and, and uh, uh, important work to the betterment of Savannah and and the nation as a whole, yep. that could certainly be uh, honored with the name of Square. The current front runner at the moment is Susie King Taylor, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Um, who was, I believe, one of the first black nurses yep. in uh, the military, and then also she was one of uh, the spearheads of uh, black education in Savannah and Georgia in general. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, she would be a really good choice, especially because the Massey School mm-hmm. is right there, which was the first school to integrate black and white students. Right, and to offer yeah. like yes. a, 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 a public good education. public education to it's ironic uh, to black that, that would be the square that's in front of the that's right the Massey. Well, and that was on. you know uh, people who who attended the Massey School and and talk about it do say that mm-hmm. like going to the school they would hear whispering, yeah. they would hear sensations, and and keep in mind that this was probably. Um, direct ancestors of people who were buried on that property were going to school there as as children, and and a lot of people think that there was uh, not scary stories, just this this concept of presence and this mm-hmm. concept of there being you know a, a spiritual component to it. Yep. So uh, we ain't got no time for racist round here in Savannah. We'll beat you up if you come here and you're racist. All right, here we go. <laughs> a drop of blue and a sea of red. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, here we go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, next question is Lainey Hart. It's my sister's name, but not Hart, but Lainey. Um, 
I've heard you say many times to be wary of entities that try to tell you the future. What is your take on Nostradamus and his predictions? I love Nostradamus. <laughs> Nostradamus is a yeah. great, great example. Ooh, it's so mm-hmm. fun. So, this is where we get into a weird category, right? Uh, which is called prophets. The difference between a prophet and a um, and and an entity trying to tell you the the future. Uh, prophets are burdened with the vision of the future. And their, their purpose is to be this crack of light that shines through and gives us some awareness. Um, and that is why throughout like biblical tellings, throughout almost every religion on earth, there are certain people ordained or uh, touched to guide us. Uh, and their knowledge of the future is about the knowledge of, you know, quote unquote, the plan. So when you deal with a prophet... Uh, you're, you're nine times out of ten dealing with, with, with a person who's not trying to tell you what to do, but trying to outline uh, check marks to the plan, to the road that we are on. Uh, and that gives credence to a lot of the prophet stories, because the prophets of the Bible and the prophets, you know, uh, handpicked by a deity to know the future, the oracles, these sources. Um, the problem is, and... As the story that, that I was introduced to was this idea, um, and it, it, it's framed in a Christian light because that's how the story is told, but it, it's amenable to almost any faith process. The concept is there was a singular deity or singular designer, and the singular designer made a plan. And he shared that plan with, or they shared that plan, I should say, with like beings. Uh, we call them angels. So God says to the angels, look at this plan. Mm-hmm. And they say, that is good. That, that's actually in, in Genesis. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And, and someone said that was good. You know, someone yeah. was like, great, good plan, like the light. So um, the idea was that there was a plan for yeah. the universe. And, 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 and God shared it with his angels. What happened next was a revolution, a war. And that war broke the factions, one-third of the host, the demons, as we call them, they're all fallen angels. They saw the plan. They know the future. The trick is a prophet tells you the future without any exchange. Ooh. A demon tells you the future in exchange for something. They take something for the knowledge that they give. And Ooh. that becomes one of those things is, are you reading signs of the future or are you being told the future? For instance... People who use tarot, uh, they'll put the tarot and there will be a path of the future. They're using signs. They're using indicators. They're seeing a probability of future. They're seeing a path that's being cut and, and, and a plan because the cards are telling her that. But if you're dealing with, like, say, a Ouija board mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who is telling you, you know, you'll write a book. This will be <laughs> famous. You'll be rich. Things like that, they are enticing you. They're trying to get you to give them something in return for the knowledge. So it's, it's a tricky thing, but I believe that Nostradamus was a prophet. I believe that huh. he, was, he was gifted with a sight of the future or, you know, a glimpse of the plan, and he felt compelled to write it. And one of the most interesting things I'd ever read was the idea that Nostradamus was a biblical, pilot, uh, um, a biblical prophet 
mm-hmm. um, uh, and it was believed that he was Jewish, but hid his um, his uh, his heritage because it was not always easy. Certainly, still not always easy sure. to be Jewish in in society, and so. Um, by doing that, he obscured the idea that he was a part of a lineage of biblical pirates. Uh, I keep saying pirates. Prophets. Biblical pirates. I like <laughs> biblical pirates. B- biblical <laughs> prophets. No, I completely agree, though. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it is a tricky line because prophets are uh, not necessarily the same as people who have prophetic dreams. Right. There is also a difference between that uh, because prophetic dreams sometimes are, you know, still just a glimpse of what could happen. Um, prophets tend to know, like, things a little bit more definitively, Like if you the will. pre-Antichrist. Right. Like um, Napoleon, uh, Hister, and then the third Antichrist is coming. That's what he said, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The blue turban... Yeah. Right. Everyone's going to love him. Yep. Yeah. And then he's going to just ruin things. Yeah. That's how we knew it wasn't Trump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yes. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. But yeah. So um, basically, though, I was going to say that, you know, it's interesting when you watch or you look through Nostradamus's um, uh, predictions and still see that there are some human uh interpretations yeah Yeah. so like you know hister which is believed to be hitler you know um he didn't get the name exactly it's still kind of iffy because anytime you are dealing with something that is outside of what humans can grasp you're not going to get exactly 100 percent definitive and that's important to note as well Uh, but it is quite compelling and interesting and for sure and there's no prescription for action right the other thing it is not avoid this or do this. I, I want to say there was a TV show that, that suggested, you know, it, it was like an action adventure show where they're trying to, trying to save people by, you know, uh, decoding Nostradamus's writings. And it's like, well, it, it, it's more of a prehistory of looking yeah. out. Because like mm-hmm. the idea of prophetic dreams, one of the um, images I always liked of that was like certain life events. Uh, you throw a rock into a stream and then there's ripples. Well, the ripples are going in all directions to include the past. So that ripple, you might just hit the ripple of an event. And that gives you some indication of what that event is. And the more traumatic and the more intense the event is, the stronger that ripple is, the stronger the current that comes off of the event. And some people are just very sensitive to the ripples. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, a ripple is coming up. Uh, because time is a, is a construct. We made it up. Uh, and uh, there's a good chance that we are imprisoned by our concept of time, well, and we could conceivably undo that concept if we really tried, but that would probably undo all reality, so don't try. That's true. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Heard that in the grease. Okay, here we go. Uh, Bring Bleach 88 asks, because, because of it being the main decayer of corpses, does moss and or fungi have anything to do with the paranormal? So good. What a good question. That is a really good question. Um, you know, it, it's tricky because it, everything does have its own energy and it has its own purpose, but I don't necessarily consider it paranormal um, per se. Now, it, when you get into the science of mushrooms, it gets very complicated and they are so interconnected 
and so intelligent in their own weird facet because they're able to communicate with each other through this like whole interconnective like you know design of sorts but just because they are the consumers of the dead does not mean that they are haunted mushrooms you know <laughs> it's um so this is fun um there is there is a prevailing concept that fungi moss anything that 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 naturally pulls from the dead um are actually absorbing the paranormal properties they're actually keeping it from getting out of control their responsibility is to take in and give purpose mm -hmm. to some of that energy when humans started embalming people ghosts became more and more uh an issue because no longer are is there something feeding off of the paranormal energy? No longer are things feeding off of the body. You know, for some reason, we hermetically seal bodies and we fill them with chemicals so that they'll yeah. retain their properties. Uh, and so the question is, circle of life question is, was there a spiritual element to nature? Mm -hmm. Does nature not just feed off of the organic, but could it feed off of the paranormal or supernatural or huh. spiritual aspects of the body allowing for the circle of life allowing for you know are we cutting ourselves off right. from the natural world sure. and, and is that part of the chaos that is happening in our world is that part of the decay of our planet is that we stepped out of the cycle we stepped out of the circle we decided that we didn't want to become you know, food for the, the, for the mushrooms, for the mushrooms. <laughs> mushroom, yeah. And it's like, well, what if that was one of the purposes <clears throat> yeah. of our life? What if that's what gave us access to heaven? What if heaven is just becoming a part of the environment <laughs> of becoming green grass and, you know, uh, uh, mushrooms interwoven uh, in a beautiful, because it's true. Mushrooms show incredible intelligence. Yeah. You know, uh, they are, they share a lot of, of knowledge about what's good, what's bad, where they can go, how they can grow. So uh, I do think it's interesting. It's a great question. What a good yeah. question. But uh, I, I, I just recently saw the put your body in a tree yeah. bag. Oh, yes. I'm yeah. like, that's what I want. Yes. Yeah. That is I what I would like. I, 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 I want to tree. feed something with my, with my body. Yeah. I don't want to just sit in a box. Could you imagine, if you will, all the people when we started, since we started embalming, all the people are still in those boxes. Yeah waiting for ascension, waiting to to go to the next place, but they can't because they're full of chemicals yeah. and <laughs> plants aren't going to eat them and they're just going to decay and rot uh, yeah. in, in a very uh, safe... Because now I think that like our coffins are like steel and yeah, like, you know... Those things are airtight. Right. Right. It's like, what have we done? <laughs> people. Dead people don't need pillows. Ah! We, we, we don't need cushions. Dead people don't need pillows. <laughs> I've been, I, I, I don't know what to do with this, with the idea That's that we, we put all of this uh, hard, uh, we put money, we put a lot of money yeah. into the, the weird rituals that's, that we've come up with. I feel like with. that's for the families though. It, to, no, the, funerals, like for graveyards, not even, not even the funeral, like, like just to know that they're, they're in a comfortable, right. their corpses oh, yeah. are in a yeah, comfortable absolutely. position and they're not like, you know, in an L shape or something. Well, don't but we worry need to about normalize the fact that, <laughs> that death is beyond discomfort. Yeah. You know, yeah. we need to normalize the idea that, that I would rather 
be dropped off in the middle of the woods than yeah. pumped full of chemicals and uh, put in a, in, a, in a sealed fun, box. Fun fact about uh, Madison and I actually is we, uh, we did a tree planting ceremony at our wedding and that tree was planted in the same place that we are going to be buried at our mountain house. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, that's technically going to feed our marriage there tree. There has to be a way to currently avoid the, uh, yeah. the formaldehyde. There has to be a way to avoid right. the embalming process. Because embalming is... I, it, duh, why? Sure, <laughs> I mean, I know why, but it's not necessary anymore. I'm sure you think. could sign a waiver and say, "Don't do anything to me. Just I would bury like me as can. quickly as possible." But you know, for a while, oh, yeah. it was law. A waiver? Yeah. No, that's in your will. Uh, yeah. But there was a law that you uh-huh. couldn't do that. There was a law stating that everybody had to be embalmed. Was it like a Georgia or a federal? No, it was. It was. It was law of the land. Oh, dang. If oh, any funeral that. directors are listening to this or um, funeral babe on TikTok, I will at her. Let us know. Funeral babe? Yes, yeah, she's yeah. so cool. She's uh, a funeral director, I want to say up in Massachusetts or some, somewhere up north. Funeral babe. She's dope. She like wow. literally goes through like all the process of, because um, uh, as a mortician, what they sure. do and all that. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if anybody knows the legalities of that let us know yeah. how, do you, how do you avoid it what do you do how does it come down to it but okay on the topic of mushrooms though um <laughs> I, or and um moss in general they do have if you're looking on the metaphysical side of things they are um protective agents spanish mm, moss definitely um specifically which we have a ton of here in savannah um that is a protective um you know, plant, if you will. It protects you from the sun, but also metaphysically, it protects you from negative entities and things like that, which is interesting um, for Savannah in general. Well, there's a, um, there, there are stories about Spanish moss will not grow where innocent blood has been shed. Right. You know, those kinds of stories uh, abound because there's always looking for an explanation of why one tree can be laden with Spanish moss and the next tree over, nothing. Um, and one of the more interesting ones was iron. That they mm-hmm. were like, uh, if there's a lot of iron in the tree, then the and the iron comes from the blood of people. If their blood has been spilled, the tree was soaking up iron. I don't know. Uh, but it is interesting mm-hmm. because uh, that question is um, about nature. Right. You know, and, and how we kind of ran afoul of nature and are running afoul of nature. So... Um, I would like to believe that anything that feeds off of death is 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 renewing the dead thing, is giving the dead thing life, is allowing it to have life. Yeah. So there you go. For sure, for sure. That's a fun question. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely it definitely was. Oh, you sold some earrings, huh? Nice. <laughs> just Dope. got the Venmo. Uh yeah. Uh, you know, just as I, I want to just add um, to that is like just as the um, resident Christian at the table, I've always seen fungus and just, you know, mushrooms in general as uh, like God's ultimate tool of destruction. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like you, I don't know. It's 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 like, you know, it just eats and destroys everything and returns it to the earth. Yeah. And so, well, you know, it's weird well, they use the word dope. destruction. Yeah, because it's 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 not destruction. the The destruction was done. The body is dead. It's 
re it, it's it's if 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 you think of it in in, in that Christian sense, it's the, mm-hmm. the promise of everlasting life. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah because yeah. life comes from death. Life For sure. from death. Life from death is a big concept. Yeah, and it's like, well, is there any proof? Well, of course there is. Mushrooms. Well, of course there is. Look at what grows when somebody dies. And maybe yeah. that's an allegory for your soul. Yeah. When you die, your soul could conceivably. I've always you know, seen, grow. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I've always seen nature as like proof that God exists. Right. Personally. You know, it's, it's it, as, as, as fitting a love letter as it is. And, and, yeah, it is. and humans just tear that letter up and crumple it up. And, right. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and we then, do. And then litter with it. <laughs> and then for you witches out there, because I know there's quite a few of you uh, who listen to this, use Japanese moss balls as mm. a ward. I'm not going to tell you further about my own personal use of that, because I'm, just in case any of you are trying to break down my wards. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, well, I don't know who listens to this. Um, <laughs> do you have a nemesis out there? <laughs> I don't know. You know, TikTok, there's some people oh, that's on TikTok that's who fair. don't like us very much. I want to say that TikTok is just a nemesis engine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so building nemesises, nemesi, nemeses. So I, so I personally use them and they're, they're so interesting. And in, uh, they're a fantastic home protection ward. And then also um, are, in Japan. Are those the ones you're giving to yeah. uh, Kiwan's kids? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually I've decided more so um, because I have three of them. Um, one will go to each of the firstborn children of our siblings. So oh, okay. So Kiwan, Laney, Laney and, and Marissa will oh, cool. all each get a moss cool. ball. So excellent. Because that's good. Uh, traditionally what you're supposed to do with them in Japanese culture is to hand them down through the generations. Madison and her moss balls. They're great. They're excellent. She so if you're a witch, go to your local plant shop and request moss balls. Cool. Excellent. Alrighty, let's move on. Uh, Dark Soul Soup underscore <laughs> S asks, I live in Canada, right outside of Kamloops. Yes, the place where the massacre of thousands of indigenous students and people took place. I believe my house might be haunted by a few of the students. I'm not 100% sure, but I just get this energy that they're... Oh, it's longer than... Hold on. I just get this energy that they're there. Weird things happen in the house, like we'll come out of our rooms in the morning to find the fridge wide open. We don't have any pets, and I once saw a little native boy in my backyard at night. It was terrifying, but I didn't call the police because somehow I knew he was dead. Anyway, my question is how could I rid my house of a spirit or spirits that I feel have more of a right to be here than I do? I want them gone because I'm super afraid, but I feel like wanting them gone is wrong because that was the issue in the first place. That is a very tricky uh, proposition because I think you really hit it right there at the end. Um, Driving spirits away when it's, when, when it's a place they belong or, or you know, uh, driving spirits away who have been driven to wherever they are. Um, uh, the question really is, what are they presenting for? Why, why, why do you see them? Why are they present? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what purpose are they doing? If not to raise awareness, you know, if it's not just you learning the history and nature of the, the place you're living. Um, but as far as, Dealing with indigenous spirits, usually you should consult an indigenous person um, because every um, every group, every tribe, every uh, nation uh, 
will have their own customs and their own ideas. And, and there, there, there might be some blanket stuff going on, but for the most part, uh, belief structures are built within the growth of any group of individuals. So um, you might need to discuss that with some indigenous people if you, if you, think if you have access to them. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, now... The, the biggest thing is I find when you're dealing with, now this is at least coming from my own personal experience, where I grew up, I had the spirits that were in my house were indigenous. And I find that it's best, I get that you're scared by them, but it's best to learn how to coexist. Yes. Um, because it doesn't sound like they are trying to do anything to purposely scare you. So it's more so you just kind of have to work past that initial fear and just accept that they are there. But sometimes, and I think Chris, you would agree with this, sometimes fear you just can't get over. It's true. You know, even if it, like, I don't care how many tarantulas you make me hold, I'm going to be afraid of them. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you it's can't, just like, you it's can't like expel. That. It's not a tarantula, though. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I'm like just you giving can't. you an example. I never said it was a tarantula. No, I'm saying, I know. yeah. I'm saying that that it's not just like I can try to get over this fear. It's I'm I'm arachnophobic. I don't but like my freaking po- spiders. My, but my point being is that you can't tell an indigenous spirit that mm-hmm. is of that land. Yeah. You cannot tell it to go away. Perfect. It, so then move. That would be the <laughs> best thing. So if ideally, if, yeah. Yeah, if, 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 if it's bothering you that much, uh, the answer is always move. But to, uh, to Madison's point, um, you, you might find it helpful to talk, to speak aloud, both your concerns, your intentions, what you're feeling. Say it aloud. Give it uh, give it form, give it structure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people uh, worry about like a language barrier or things like that. We're, we're not really speaking words. We are speaking intent and, and sensations and feelings. So reach out mm-hmm. uh, and, and try to make peace with the notion that the, this, is, this is how it is. Um, you can normalize your encounters. And that's not necessarily the same as overcoming your fears, but by normalizing them, you have a structure, a yep. way yep. to deal with it. Something scary is happening. Talk, speak aloud. Don't tighten and 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 become so defensive because that defensive stance will come back to you. Yeah, yeah it's in there. I don't know. No, um, I, I yeah, I completely agree with all that. I think move. That would be my <laughs> my. Well, well, okay. Like feasible, if you take though. it back the, to the spiders, at Madison. If you if our house suddenly became infested with spiders, we couldn't get rid of them. We're moving. <laughs> you know. And that's usually, uh, uh, it's funny because when I do investigations or I talk to anybody, um, I will gauge how haunted a place is by that response. Yeah. It's like, if they moved away, then I, I, I immediately put it higher on the list yeah. of probable haunts. Um, because some people can handle it. Some people can take it. And sometimes the haunting is at the level of doubt. Yeah. They, people will tell you the scariest ghost stories. It's like, why are you still there? It's because they have enough doubt. Mm-hmm to weather the strangeness. Right. Mm-hmm. They have enough doubt to suggest that there's still some part of them that's feeding the, the idea of the haunt. And then, you know, and, and they manage. Um, so lots of people live in haunted houses who are very afraid of the ghosts, but they kind of hold on either to the doubt or they make a certain type of peace. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so yeah, if you, can't, if you can't manage that, 
I do say I strongly suggest speaking to indigenous people because I think I think that's a great idea. At the very least, you'll get some great insight. Mm. Right. Uh, you know, even if it doesn't help you at all with your current situation, I think it could give you such a wonderful experience. You know, maybe you're being prompted in life to learn more about you know uh, things outside your 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 scope. And just to clarify, uh, you know, I'm not saying entities are spiders. I'm saying that. <laughs> I just want to clarify. I'm not saying entities are spiders. I'm no, saying that it's just about the fear. That's all I'm trying to say is that the fear is, you know, if you have a fear of something, you cannot or shouldn't get rid of uh, the, the, what you're afraid of, then the best thing to do is retreat. And now it's time for me to tell a story about ghost spiders. Oh, ghost spiders. Stop it. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Jason would die. I would. Yeah. Wicked good question. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, leaves with like three threes in it. Um, asks, Chris, I love hearing about your childhood, LOL. What's a story you haven't told us yet? Oh, good Lord. You, you tell us a lot about your childhood. There's yeah. so <laughs> many stories. Uh like half of our listeners came from your childhood story. (laughs) (laughs) Your childhood trauma. Um, Gosh, there's, and the problem is like summoning stories is harder than like hearing something that spawns. uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, I know, you know, I I had an experience like that because there are many stories. Um, When I lived in Germany, uh, we went hiking in the, um, uh, in the black forest. Um, and, and this is interesting because I always assumed it was the Black Forest. There's a chance it wasn't. I just, when, when people were talking about it, it's like, oh, you know, because uh, we used to do these things called um, wander togs, Volksmarches. Uh, and that was like every weekend we'd go on these 10 kilometer, 20 kilometer walks. And, uh, and we get these little medals. And I love those medals. I, I, I used to have medals all over my jacket. Um, loved Volksmarch. Uh, uh, um, and so uh, one time we were in a, a very creepy woods and so I always assumed it was the black forest but it, I was like, little so it was like unless it was like clearly stated that it was a black forest it, it might not have been a black forest but uh, years later people talk about the black forest I was like oh yeah I know that place <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a scary forest in Germany I know what that's all about so I'm walking through this forest and we're you know and we're not walking through the forest it, it's a path and we're we're, we're, we're you know Volksmarching I had like you know I was wearing lederhosen how hilarious is that that's um, super hilarious little Korean boy in lederhosen with a little hat with a feather in it and uh, and I'm walking and uh we encounter like uh, uh, there's a, like a buzzing of people, like gathered just into the woods, and uh, there are pe- Volks, uh, people who are on the the the, the hike uh, had have pulled off, and uh, we we go out to see what it is, and even getting close to it, um, my dad was like, mm, maybe you know hold back, sure, you know, sure. yeah, we're, we're not sure what we're about to come up on, because the general sound was tragedy. Oh. Like we're coming up on something tragic. Okay. And we're, we're, we're getting closer and closer and, um, you know, a buzz of, 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 of German conversation going on. And I am looking through the legs of the adults. Okay. And I can see clearly on the ground like a post with a rope and the rope goes to, I'm guessing it was a sheep leg 
but it was definitely the leg of an animal that was tied to the post. And it was just gone. Whoa. Not sure what any of that was. We didn't know, you know, it, was it, you know, uh, a, a trap for a wolf maybe? It wasn't, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, there, was, wow. there, was, there was nothing. But, you know, I was quickly diverted from it. But for years after that, I would occasionally get these dreams of being in that forest and being among a bunch of cloaked individuals and, and them killing a lamb. And that was before I really even knew that that was a thing. However, media at the time was so bizarre that I could have easily seen something on TV. Sure. I could have <laughs> easily, you know, I used to go to the movies all the time on my own from the time I was like six on. They used to show movies at the Post Theater uh, back to back to back. And these were old movies and they were hodgepodge of movies and they, were, they didn't make any sense. And I could have e- easily seen something that led to that. But I do remember thinking that we had stumbled upon uh, a ritualistic sacrifice site. Whether that's true or not, I do not know, but uh, I do remember it distinctly, and I do have deep, dark feelings about Dang. that area and that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, All right. Well, there you go. Leaves hopes that... Uh, hope that um the latest uh, installment of, you want to hear how messed up my childhood was? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should do like an installment. <laughs> all right. Messed up childhood. Yes. All righty, all righty. Okay, here we go. Uh, Julie uh, sent this in via ghost mail. And uh, she asked, I recently lost my dog who was with us for 15 years. I would like to know what happens to them after death. Do, does their soul stay here with us? Uh, I don't know if you've heard my stories. Uh, um, right. uh, I, has it been um, uh, a year and a half? My, um, my dog Ranger uh, passed. And I still, to this day, hear his clipping, see, you know, the corner of my eyes, like his tail, because he was a white dog, so, you know, very distinct. And there are obviously times when I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that it's just that regular, that expectancy, the expectancy of seeing and hearing the dog. Um, we recently started fostering a new dog, and I have distinct moments of, like, because um, the new dog will freeze and just stare. Yeah. And, and this dog is not a, a dog-friendly dog. It doesn't okay. like other dogs. So it, it, it gets into that stare moment in places where I've oftentimes felt or, or, or thought oh, I've wow. seen Ranger. So when I see that happen, I'm, I'm like, are you seeing Ranger? You know, is, is, is that what's happening? Is Ranger still, you know, around? Um, I firmly believe that our pets, when they pass the connection, the connectivity, the love uh, allows for at least a portion of their existence to remain with us until we are ready to let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, I believe, you know, uh, all, all animals get a free pass. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they, they get to go on. You know, uh, if anything, living as a human is probably the toil of of existence and hopefully we'll come back as a dog. You know, hopefully we'll come right. back with the leisure of, of, of pet and, and of, of animals that are, are pampered and taken care of. Um, so hopefully, you know, uh, the concept of all dogs go to heaven lives in my heart. I believe it. Uh, and so I, I don't have an answer that is definitive, but that is, that is what I think. Okay. Yeah. It, it's hard to gauge exactly what happens with animals, but I will say, 
that animals tend to leave behind residual hauntings a lot. Um, actually, I think we picked up a, a, a ghost dog of some form because recently, within the past like two months. Of course you did, honey. I know. I, I'm telling you, I think. Oh, I, I forgot to do this. Meow. 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 <laughs> All right. All right, we're we're gonna <laughs> next ghost mail is gonna be real nasty. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, um, but yeah, so I, I think we picked up actually a ghost dog because for the past like two months or so, I have been seeing this little blonde dog that does that is not argyle because um, I keep thinking it's Argyle. Um, and so I'll see a little blonde dog run out of the corner of my eye while I'm in the kitchen or I'm like out uh, back with our dogs or something and I'll think that it's Argyle running by me and then when I look, she'll be like laying on the couch in the living room or she'll be in the bedroom or you know she won't be anywhere near me. And so I think that a ghost dog of Savannah has decided to come live with us huh. in our zoo. But There you go. You yeah. know. That's interesting. I once had a um, once had a friend. His name was also Chris, um, and he. I'm trying to remember this story that he told me. It was a while ago. I was like 13, 14 when he told me this. But he said that he uh, that he um, recently went to see his grandfather for the last time. And I don't think I've ever told you this, Maddie. Uh, but when he, when his grandfather was uh, in hospice, they they came to visit him and all of that stuff. And he wouldn't stop moving his hand like this. Oh. And then um, he died later that night. I think yeah, it was later that night or early next morning. But he wouldn't stop moving his hand, and they thought it was like a like like some type of medical thing, sure. where it's like a muscle spasm mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, he actually lost his dog uh, like a couple years before. And so uh, Chris and his family, they thought that um, they thought that his uh, that his dog was like coming back and Aww. like welcoming so him sweet. into the afterlife. Yeah. That's Absolutely. such a cute story. You're like, Argyle, you better do that. <laughs> Argyle, Argyle is going to be on. I've told, I've said this before. She's, she's going to drop a ghost tennis ball on my face and she's going to be like, throw it. <laughs> I'm be like, I'm dying. And she's going to be like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, then throw get out it. of that body yeah. and grab the ball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's like, we have all of eternity. Yes, I can wait. Do. I can wait. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's but, funny. Yeah. So, yeah. JT will require Argyle to escort him into yeah, the afterlife. Yeah, that's true. That's my know? baby girl. That's my baby girl. All right. Um, this is the last question. Uh, it's been a great episode. Great questions. Thank you all yeah, for really sending them questions. in. Wow. Um, all right. So the last one is from Ultra Pair Junkie, uh, Ashley Werner. Oh, yeah. And uh, I have a feeling it's about uh, Jameson, <laughs> the other Ultra Pair Junkie. Uh, and she asked, how old do y'all think a kid should be to start ghost hunting? <laughs> well, I mean, you can put it, an age on it if you want, but if the kid wants to ghost hunt, they're going to ghost hunt. And knowing Jameson, Jameson is a good kid. He's yeah. going to listen to his mom. But if he's anything like how I was when I was a kid, I was just doing it on my own, whether people too, yeah. knew that they were... Um, you know, knew that that's what I was doing. I was doing candle magic in my bedroom 
so badly uh, because I was trying to figure out how many ghosts were in my room. And so I was doing candle magic to get them to communicate with me. Don't do that, Jameson. Yeah, I was going to say, you have the beautiful luxury of, of walking with the child. Yes. <laughs> Take their hand, help them through it. Because, yeah, uh, I started I, pretty much when I was six years old. I, I was breaking into buildings. I was going into abandoned houses. I was running off into scary woods. I was doing any, anytime anybody was like, oh, that place is haunted. I found myself going there. Uh, Ill-advised, reckless youth, be aware that you, you have an opportunity to, 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 to do some good training, to teach how to be careful, to teach how not to, you know, see every weird thing and touch it or poke it or, you know, break through. Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, it wasn't until I was in my 20s before I started being more responsible with mm-hmm. how I ghost hunted because I was just, there's a ghost story, let's go. There's right. a ghost story, let's go. Let's climb this wall. Let's go in this house. Let's break through the window. Let's do this. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> and do that. Uh, we did not have as much uh, media <laughs> when I was doing this. There was not a ghost hunter show or mm-hmm. 50. There was not, you know, uh, a, a, a section in the bookstore that, that was full of how to ghost hunt, you know, uh, where you can, you know, get <laughs> your ghost hunting logs that you can print out. Um, there's, there wasn't the internet. So, um, so just be mindful and uh, any age is good as long as you are present with them. Right. Because otherwise, you know, and I'm a perfect example of a lot of my, my ghost tendencies and my ghost uh, uh, beliefs had to be amended and reconstructed because my imagination was the only thing I had to go by. I was, I was filling in blanks the whole time. Um, I didn't have a lot of resources, and I didn't have other people that I really talked to. And the, when I did, they were my same age, so we were all just sitting in the dark screaming. So, um, so yeah, uh, you can you can be a great guide for a child who who's interested. Yeah, I was the kid that was leading seances at the um, <laughs> slumber parties. At the slumber yeah. parties, it would start out with light as a feather, stiff as a board, all mm-hmm. that, and then it turned into like a full blown seance. So don't. It's it's good that Jameson listens to this so he yeah. can learn from <laughs> so they you can know? learn from our mistakes. Yeah, the, so. the many demons that I keep trapped in my brain right. uh, were the result of of stupid reckless things. stupid things. Well, you know, and I was unfortunately um, so entranced with all the TV shows that were just then coming out, and they were all so ridiculous that they didn't teach you that maybe you shouldn't scream at a ghost. Maybe you shouldn't, you know. Well, the fascinating thing about, and something to keep in mind about a lot of the ghost uh, television shows, is that they always come from a point of view of trying to to bring it to the ground, bring it to earth. They're trying to make it scientific, and they're trying to make it something uh, that would convince a cynic. Uh, because many of them are, you know, uh, former cynics. You know, they, 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 they encountered something that challenged their beliefs. Uh, when you have a person who is, who is more concerned with proof than with experience and learning, then you're going to get a very specific brand mm-hmm. of information. And that information is oftentimes um, about how mechanical ghost hunting can be. Exactly. So there you go. Um, yeah, I guess moral of this episode is uh, don't uh, do seances um, in your slumber parties. 
Uh, and it's not going to stop anyone. That true. is not going to stop it's anyone. True. And ghost, uh, ghost dogs. They're ghost true. dogs. Ghost dogs are sweet. They're very good. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have a question that you would like to send to us, go ahead and utilize the Q and A button on TikTok. Or if you don't have TikTok, you can utilize our email, which is ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com and just put question in the subject um, so that we can distinguish it from regular ghost mail. But uh, with that, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, And stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>